Missing Persons Week continues with a terrifying incident that happened this month. And then we try to outrun a carnivorous cloud that strips the meat from bones. Doesn't matter if you're alive or dead, it will eat you, if it exists. And then pick a number between 1 and 8, because we're going to the Gladiator Arenas today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Missing Persons Week continues, and I'm actually pulling an audible because I actually found out a terrifying story that just happened. Absolutely chilling. This has been pretty big news, but they just solved the crime. For the past couple days, I've seen all over the news, there's this young, attractive woman named Samantha Josephson. From Columbia, South Carolina, she was popping up in the headlines for a while, gone completely missing. And with this all happened within probably about like two or three days. But it was news. I was seeing it. I've seen her face pop up. But it was just confirmed what happened. So let me take you back here to the beginning. The year is 2019. The month, late March, early April. This happened super recently. Samantha is out with her friends partying in Columbia. College student, she's getting ready to take her finals or do whatever you do in college around this time. But she's also having fun with her friends. And at some point in the night, she's separated from her friends. Like, nah, I'm going to go home. It's 2 a.m. and she decides to call an Uber. I've used Uber before and it's really dicey. Like, I've used Uber when I was in Sacramento for my brother's wedding. And I was like, I don't know these dudes, man. Like, I I don't like getting in other people's car. I'm always cautious about getting in cars with strangers. I'm actually kind of cautious in getting in cars with people I know, too. But she calls for an Uber. By 1.30 p.m. the next day, she's reported missing. And a couple hours after that, her body is found in the woods by some hunters. So very, very quick wrap-up to this. The first article was she's missing. Second article, the second day, I think they were still talking about she was missing. And then later that day, they mentioned that she had passed away. Because they were waiting to notify the family. But here's what happened. This is what they, because they've arrested the guy who was responsible for it. And the way they found him was this. She called for an Uber. And the Uber, it will tell you the description of the car that's going to pick you up. Generally, the license plate is well, I believe. But it's late at night. You may not necessarily be thinking that if you ordered a car and it was going to be a black Chevy Impala pulling up to your block. And you happen to see a black Chevy Impala on that block. She just got in it. Car drove away. The Uber driver comes up a little bit later, waits there. No one gets in the car. Puts it in saying, hey, someone called me, but no one ever came, picked it up. So when the girl goes missing, the cops then begin searching for black Chevy Impalas. And they find one. They pull him over, arrest the guy he had in the car. He actually had a passenger in the car at that time, but she's been totally cooperative with the police. She wasn't there that night. But he had like bleach and a little bit of blood and some germicidal wipes and all that stuff. She died because she got in the wrong car. That is absolutely bizarre. I can imagine her walking up to a car and being like, oh, hey, are you know, she gets in and the guy's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And she'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was my Uber. No, no, no. I was just, I just parked here. I live here. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. That would happen 99% of the time. Maybe 
0.5% of the time, she'd walk up to the car and it would be someone in there doing something nefarious and being like, yo, bitch, what are you doing? Get out of my car. Oh, I'm so sorry, man. Dude. She gets out. She finds her Uber. An infinitesimal amount of the time, she would get into a car that happened to have a murderer in it. Bad luck. And you could say, well, she should have done this. She should have checked the... Who would have thought that if you happen to get in a car on accident that looks like a car, I don't put the blame on her at all. I think it would be very easy late at night to see a similar car and at least walk up to it. And it could be a drug deal going on and then you get shot. That's something different. You walk in, you see a criminal activity, they chase you down. She got in the car and he just murdered her. What are the chances of that, really? For her, unfortunately, it was 100%. I'll be shocked, shocked if this is the only person he's ever murdered. Shocked. Because if I was driving down the road and a woman, a super hot woman got in the back of my car, the first thing that pops in my head isn't going to be, oh, I'm going to murder her. She's in my car. I mean, might as well, right? He had to have done this before. Had to have done this before. Crazy, spooky. I read that and I was like, that's chilling. That is an accident and you get murdered. Sometimes people have accidents. They fall off of bridges. They get hit by trains. Paint bucket comes, hits them on the head because they're trying to accidentally break into this kid's house. All sorts of stuff. But to accidentally actually get murdered by a murderer, that honestly might be the first. People walking into scenes where there's drug deals and getting shot, that's pretty accidental too. But I can't think of another time where a person just happened to get in a vehicle and drive away on accident... With a murder. Actually, I guess that's pretty much every hitchhiker story, but you know what I mean. Like, it's still really, really weird. Just trying to get home from a party. Weird, man. Okay, but let's go ahead and move on to something a little lighthearted. Oh, wait, no. This isn't lighthearted. Actually, it might be lighthearted because it might be a... It kind of looks like cotton candy. So, we are going to sunny, sunny Florida. Weren't we here recently? uh, Oh, we went here for that dude who got murdered. And then, yeah, that was a couple episodes ago, a guy got murdered by his buddy. And now, retroactive spoiler alert. But now we're going back to Florida. We're going to go hunting ourselves, not hunting literally ourselves, which actually be the most dangerous game. But we're going to go hunting as well along the Tomaca River, which is west of Dayton. We go, we're in Florida, we're in the Tomaca River. We're walking by it with our rifles. Walking through the woods. Dogs all. (laughs) We go, we get the ducks that we just killed. And then we notice some. It's early in the morning. It's a little cold outside. We're standing there in our full hunting gear. And we start to see a pink mist kind of roll through the forest. Looks almost like a cotton candy color. Looks pleasing to the eye. But we start to notice that the forest around us is getting very, very quiet. Like all the animals are leaving. We kind of start to back up from this cloud. It's rolling about from the ground to your waist coming towards us. You see a little bunny rabbit with with the little broken paw. Can't run away like the other ones. It's like... I don't know what sounds rabbits make. I am one, so that's kind of weird. But anyways, and we see the cloud roll over it. And we hear, "Ah!" And before the mist completely covers the rabbit, we begin to see its flesh dissolve. So we book it. 
We run all the way back to the carpenter copter, jump inside, take off. Dude, you left the dog. Not my fault. I would have rescued him. You left him. Hopefully he'll make it. But we can't land now. The mist is everywhere. So what is this mist? It's known locally as the carnivorous pink cloud or the cannibal cloud. It was sighted as far back as 1605 when Spanish explorers were in the area. But most of the sightings, the recent sightings, have been between 1955 and 1966. Some people have said it's possible that it's some sort of just mist that is colored by the morning sun and has no carnivorous properties at all. Some people say that it's nothing supernatural, but it's pollution that's rolling in. It rolls in every once in a while. And it does burn your skin, if not eat it off. And the reason why these legends have popped up is two things. One, people will find bones in the forest, sometimes human bones, and there have been reports of multiple people missing in this forest. The third explanation is not chemical or that it's just regular mist that's beautiful. Apparently, in that area, there was natives, Native American. They weren't Native Americans, they were just natives in the area. There was a golden cup, and they had access to basically a sacred fountain. But they weren't supposed to use either of them. If you used the golden cup to just, like, drink spring water out of, that was bad. And if you drank out of the sacred pool of water, that was bad. There was a guy named Chief Tomkey who did both. He grabbed the golden cup, stuck it in the water, and drank it. And the other tribes declared war against his tribe. There was massive battle in the area. And his entire tribe was slaughtered. Chief Tomkey was the only man left. He had this magical healing liquid in him. At that point, though, a beautiful young maiden from one of the rival tribes named Olita shot him with an arrow, killed him, and then she ran to get the cup for herself, almost like Gollum for the ring, and then an other tribe member killed her to keep her from getting the power as well. So some believe that this rolling mist is Chief Tomkey. I think it's even possible that the healing powers from the cup and the water made it so Chief Tomkey isn't dead, but he still needs to feed. He turns into this pink mist, and he's still, his spirit is still almost trapped in a hell where he's not alive, he's not dead, he's immortal. Now he's just this cloud that creeps through the forest of Florida, eating everything in its path. Now, everything I just told you is an urban legend. None of it is verifiable at all. It's a really, really interesting story, but there's absolutely no proof behind it whatsoever. And I know you're thinking, Jason, great. You just told me this cool story, and now you... But, you know, like, you got to be realistic about this stuff. They say that there's several missing people. I've read quite a few articles on this. They talk about missing people in the area due to the fog. But there's no names. There's no dates. There's nothing I can verify where they say... This person went missing on April 12th, or even this person went missing in, you know, 1957. There's nothing I can verify. So it's just reports of missing people in the area. Reports of bones being found in the woods is suspicious of their human bones. However, bones are a pretty natural phenomenon, i.e. you rot. You die, your body rots. If there were Native American battlegrounds here, there would definitely be bones or fragments of bones in the dirt and things like that. Multiple people quoted the same thing about the first sighting was in 1605. There's none of them attribute that fact to any other site. They're basically all referencing each other. 
And then you, uh, most of the accounts come from people who live in the area saying, when I grew up, I heard about the carnivorous cloud. I heard about somebody, you know, so very urban legendy. So I don't think it's true at all. The actual theory that the mist itself is part of the healing properties of the cup, I made that part up. I made that part up because here's my thing. Let's assume it's true for a second. And I didn't make that part up to trick you. I was just trying to weave it all in. So here's my thing. When I read it, I said, whoa, this is really interesting. And every article I read repeated almost verbatim the same claim. So I go, okay, there's really nothing behind this. I was really looking for a name of a person who went missing. All we have is the first sighting, an 11-year time period, and then stories that people were told when they were kids. But then I put back on my imagination cap. I go, it would be interesting if you had the power of immortality. Okay, so in the in the Animatrix, and I've talked about this before, in the movie The Second Renaissance, there's this thing where when the humans built the robots to begin with, they made them look like humans, which would make sense because you'd want them to be able to move about in human spaces. But once the AI, once the Matrix basically was starting to be constructed and the AI completely separated itself from humanity, it realized that human forms were actually not the most efficient. The insect form was. So that's why all the robots you see in the Matrix um, are like those squid things. And it's really great because in that movie, you see the first great battle between man and machine and it's men versus humanoid machines and the men win. But then the AI creates these insectoid machines that are far more efficient than the human body with multiple limbs and different like backup systems and stuff. So if the head gets blown off, it has all these other redundant systems and they just smosh on humanity. If you had the power to be immortal, if you drank something mystical that made you immortal, I don't think, again, we're in a speculative place here, but a human form isn't the best form to be immortal in. It really isn't. Like, as much as I love being a human, if you were immortal, you'd be much better off being something else. Because unless you were, like, unbreakable, like, swords would break off you and stuff like that. This guy obviously got, again, assuming this is real, got an arrow in his chest. The human form is inefficient. But mist or, uh, uh, like, rain or water or smoke or anything like that. Anything that has a physical body is still limited to the physical realm. If you became immortal, it would make sense if you had a choice, I guess, but it would make sense for you to be cursed or gifted with a non-corporeal form or incorporeal form. So I like, I think my theory, because I think the whole thing's made up anyways, my theory is that, yes, he did drink from the cup. He did drink from the sacred water. He was killed, but because he couldn't be killed, only his physical body was destroyed. He did become this carnivorous mist that floats through the forest and continues to devour. Now, of course, the question of that is why was it only really seen between 1955 and 1966? Well, I have two answers for that. One, it may have moved on from that area. The pink mist now may be in other areas, other states where people don't know to run from it. Taking down hikers and campers and little animals running through the woods. Or... Going with my theory as well. It simply evolved to a less obvious form. It still feeds. It still lusts for blood. Now you just can't see it coming. Right now, though, we are going to talk about gladiator theater. So not just sword and sandals. Not just buff dudes with swords chopping each other up. Crowd going crazy. (sighs) 
Gladiator Theater, which is different. It was where they would basically put on productions in the arena. You think, oh, that's awesome, Romeo and Juliet? Well, kind of, except they both die horrible deaths. Well, I guess they did in the original play. But this one is more like live-action Saw movies. So go ahead and pick a number between one and eight. So it is a hot summer day in Rome. The sun's beating down on you. You're dripping sweat. Your pecs are just like, you got full abs. If you're a chick, pecs, you still got pecs. You're just boobs now. And then you got full abs. You're just super fit. But the sweating, though, isn't from the heat. It's because you're about to be led into the gladiator arena. All of these deaths were basically set up to be like plays. Back in about 30 B.C., A man is being led into the gladiator arena, and in the arena, he sees a giant wooden structure in the shape of Mount Etna. Now, if you don't know, Mount Etna is a volcano, and he's led up to the top of the wooden structure. The crowd's going wild. So you're kind of, you're kind of eager. You're like, yeah, dude, this is kind of cool. This is the most famous I've ever been. You get led up to the top of Mount Etna, and at that point, The Emperor of Rome goes, If you picked number four, this is you. You're like, okay, great. There's no volcano around here. Obviously, hot lava is not going to shoot out of this mountain. The mountain basically does erupt. It just breaks apart. But instead of hot lava shooting out, these are all real, by the way. You, if you pick number four, you fall into the volcano. But instead of hot lava, it's just a bunch of lions. And they just rip you to pieces. Just eat your legs off. Totally chew you up. So not only do you have a pretty bad bruise from falling about 20-30 feet. You fall on hungry animals. Which would be the worst combination. (laughs) Now there is hot lava. It's all your blood pouring out of the mountain. First century. First century AD. You guys remember Hercules? Hercules was a pretty cool guy. He did all those things. He was, like, fighting hydras and, like, diverting water and all that stuff. And you notice, as you're being led into the arena, you are dressed like Hercules. And you're like, oh, great. What are they going to do? Have me do a bunch of weightlifting? Did they actually find, like, seven snakes in time together and I'm going to chop their heads off? What's going on? So you get led into the arena, and it seems pretty normal, but there you see some wood in the middle of it. And you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. What am I going to do, like, bench press this wood? I can do that. And then as you're getting closer to the wood, you remember a little story about Hercules. Hercules was a demigod. He was half man, half god. But when he ascended to godhood, they had to do something to him to make him fully a god. And that's when you see the emperor come out and go, If you pick number two, this is your fate. You walk out. Well, actually, at this point, you're getting dragged out because you start to see the guys getting the tar ready and they're lighting it on fire and they basically just throw you on the wood and set you on fire you burn alive and before you go ah yeah it's okay burning alive is actually one of the worst ways you can go i actually heard this story once and i i mean i heard this story it was on mysterious universe actually this psychic was talking about reincarnation and she was saying that I, i don't remember all the details but i remember the visual that she was a witch who had burned during the witch trials mysterious universe is a great show by the way but And she said when she was set on fire, the first, again, this is a past life regression hypnotist, so take it or leave it. But she said when she was set on fire at the stake, she goes, the first thing she realized was how wet she was. Not sexually, 
But because, and I don't know how scientifically true this is, I don't want to really like look up photos of it, but when you're set on fire, as your skin melts away, and you're still alive, your veins open up and you're covered in your own blood and it's almost like your blood is trying to put out the fire itself. So you actually feel super like wet and slick as you're burning alive. I don't know. I do know though that burning alive is one of the worst ways you can go. So maybe you do get a little bit of comfort as your blood's trying to cool you down. I don't know. It's gruesome either way. But that was you if you picked number two. Now we're moving on to another first century disaster. This one, you notice you're dressed up like a guy named Mucus Scavolia. Now I'm sure maybe it's Mucius Scavolia or maybe it's nothing like I'm even pronouncing it. (laughs) Everyone in the arena is scratching their head. They're like, who's that? Who's that guy? This one, if you pick this number, I think you're getting off pretty good. In the arena, you just see a little, like, uh, pulpit thing, like a little, I have, what's wrong with me? A little pillar on the top is a bull, bulls on fire. Mucus Scavalia was a dude who basically tried to kill an old Roman emperor way back in the day, and they caught him, and this was kind of badass. He basically said, oh, you can catch me, but there's a bunch of other Greeks out there that are going to murder you, and let me show you. And he goes, let me show you this. He sticks his hand in the fire and just held it there for a while, and he goes... Like, that's my dedication to killing you. I can go through this pain. I'm going to use this hand to kill you someday. Or some other Greek is going to. So anyways, in this one, all the dude had to do was go out and stick his hand in a fire. And if he could do that, he was set free. Or they killed him. We don't know about the historical evidence for that. But the emperor is kind of like, oh, it's kind of boring. But he does say, if you picked number eight, you just burned your hand. That's it. And you're allowed to go. We'll allow you to leave. So that's not too bad. I could put my hand... If my choice was burn my hand or get set on fire or chop myself off, they may have made him put his hand in there for quite a long time. I don't think they just let him like put it in. They might have held it in. But even then, dude, I would take the hand burning. So if you pick number eight, I think that's probably the best one. You guys are all shutting off the podcast now. All the people who are number eight are like, I'm done. The next one, though, we start to get a little ridiculous again. It's 80 AD, and you notice you are dressed up as Orpheus. The god or goddess, one of the two, I think it was a god, it doesn't matter. You're dressed up as Orpheus, and you're given a lyre. Ding, 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 a little, like, harp thingy. Now, Orpheus's power was that he or she could play the lyre. They could play the lyre, or lyre, whatever, man, this is totally going off the rails, but anyways, they could play this instrument... And they could soothe everything. They could soothe humans, make them they just humans just go, oh, you're totally awesome. They could even soothe rocks. Rocks would be like, rock on. And more importantly, it could music can soothe the savage beast. So you're led out into this arena. You're surrounded by wild animals. And you are told by the emperor, number seven, if you play them a song and they don't eat you, you are free to go. And before the emperor even gets done saying that, a cheetah rips your genitals off. This this guy had no chance at all. No chance at all. These animals are constantly bred for combat in the gladiator arena, and you send them out there with a musical instrument to sit down in front of them. He is beset by these creatures right off the bat. Anyways, gets torn to pieces by these things. Crowd goes wild. And, And these guys are generally either criminals... Or Christians. So you have a pretty good chance of whether or not you're just a dude who was praying to the wrong God. Or you murdered somebody. 
So ADAD, this one's pretty awesome. This one took some work. Someone was really inventive with this one. You are Daedalus? Icarus's father. It's the dude who told his son, hey, I'll make you these wings and you can fly up to the sun. Or no, he didn't ask him to fly to the sun. He made him the wings and the dude flew too high. The wings melted. It's weird how much like those sayings come from old stuff, but he flew too high. His wings melted. He crashed the earth. So this one, you're dressed up as Daedalus, and you go, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to make my son fly around, and then I'll be okay, right? Because I just missed my son. No, for whatever reason, they don't dress you up as Icarus. They dress you up as the big D, and they put wings on you. They actually attach a rope from one side of the Colosseum to the other, and the emperor goes, if you chose number three, this is your fate or maybe not maybe you'll make it and basically you were instructed to fly from one they were really inventive you were instructed to fly from one end of the arena to the other so you basically had this harness and a rope and it was basically like a zip line so you're like now the story of icarus is not complete without somebody falling to earth So they did have it pre-planned without his knowledge that the wings would break at a certain point and he would fall down. However, it's gladiator times and that's not a good way to die. So as you are hooking up to your harness and you're like, okay, I can make it all the way. It'll be a little scary. These wings look pretty sturdy. You notice them bring four bears into the arena. And you're like, I wonder what they're for. Is that for like the, are they going to start juggling while I'm flying over them? No, the wings are pre-programmed to break right over the bears. You fall in horribly mauled and eaten by hungry, hungry bears. I think if I had to choose between being, I I think being eaten by a lion would be worse than being eaten by a bear. Because I imagine lions or any sort of wild cat does that playing with their food type of nonsense. Also, don't they? No, that's dogs that like grab food and shake it around till the next snaps. I wonder how, I think bears would probably just like step on you and then just eat you or eat you and step on you. I don't think it would be as bad. I think it would be much quicker. But anyways, this guy is falling in slow motion towards four hungry bears. And that's you if you picked number three. Next one, ADAD. Still, man, they had a banner year this year. ADAD. In this scenario, you're actually a woman. Because, again, these are all true events. This woman, she notices she is dressed up as Pasiphae. Pasiphae. Now, Pasiphae is known for two things. One, she placed a curse on a dude, so every time he ejaculated, (laughs) snakes, scorpions, and centipedes would come out. Which, now, no matter what that guy did, that is 100% an overreaction. There is nothing you can do... Nothing you can do that would deserve every time you ejaculate, a scorpion, a snake, or a centipede would come out. Nothing. But she's known for that. But more famously, she's known for being the mother of the Minotaur. So, and then she is led out, and there is a basically a cow costume out there for her. And now you're like, oh, I was hoping for the centipedes. This doesn't look good. There's a cow co- and it's not like a onesie from Party City, like fluffy cow costume. It's basically a cow she has to climb into. And as you hear a bull being released from the doors, the big gates behind you, you hear the emperor say, if you pick number six, I hope you have a high, high tolerance to pain. And at that point, the bull came out and had its way 
with the bull costume, unfortunately, you're in it and you die because that's what's going to happen. There's no way out of that situation. Second century. Now we're a little bit more progressive. We've moved on from that horrible thing. It's second century. You're dressed up as Attis and you're like, God damn it. Why couldn't I have been Hercules? Why didn't I pick number two? Why didn't I pick number two? But you're Attis, also known as the castrated god. So that one, you were simply just let out into the arena, and they cut your balls off in front of everybody. And, but this one, you actually have company, because they did this for a bunch of dudes came out of the arena all at the same time, and they got their balls chopped off one by one. So, just to make things fair, the emperor says, if you chose number five, you're Addis, and you're at the end of the line. (laughs) So you got to watch everyone else suffer. That's you if you pick number five. So finally, though, we have number one. And now number one is an interesting story because we actually have a journal of this person before they entered the arena. There was a woman named Perpetua. She was caught for being a Christian. And she was a diehard, literally, eventually. But she was ready to die for her religion. And when they said, hey, we want you to dress up with this mythological figure... It'll be awesome. The crowd loves it. She's like, no, I'm Christian. I'm not going to dress up like that. And they go, okay, we'll just throw you out there nude. And she's like, okay, fine. I mean, you're going to throw me out there anyways. But she is panicking about this whole thing. And she's keeping a journal. And the night before she's set to go in the arena, she has a dream where she comes out into the arena and there's an Egyptian warrior in front of her. Now, she was told she was going to fight beasts in real life. But when she enters the arena, she's relieved to see another person there. Because she can fight another person. And she sees him as an Egyptian, which in... so And, and it's interesting because in Christian culture, back then, Egypt represented like darkness and uh, satanic force and stuff like that. So she comes out in the arena. She sees this Egyptian gladiator come towards her. In the dream, then, she becomes a man. It's kind of weird. And then she's surrounded by young, hot dudes who are all on her side. A giant Jesus shows up in the dream dressed as a gladiator trainer. And so Jesus shows up and goes, giant Jesus shows up and goes, okay, this is how it's going to go. If the Egyptian wins, he's going to chop you up with a sword. But Perpetua, if you win, I'm going to give you this staff. And it had all these golden apples on it. And he goes, and it was basically the staff of eternal life. Super weird dream. And I guess probably before you're about to die, you probably do have some vivid dreams. It just chock full of symbolism and she does dude she straight up matrixes the the egyptian dude like she jumps on top of him starts beating him up throws him to the ground beats him up some more and she wins and she wakes up and she goes i know she's basically writing a journal is like i know i'm not going to die tomorrow i know jesus is with me i know that no matter what happens i will come out triumphant however if you did pick number one you get gored to death by cows So she did die, and unfortunately, she had to face the beasts. So if you pick number one, you do get gored to death by cows, but you have a kick-ass dream before that, chock full of symbolism. You had a little bit of hope before going in there. You didn't get castrated, so that was good. So yes, another interactive adventure. I really like doing these, but it's kind of hard to find stories where multiple people die in different ways. I mean, we can only hope that more... This is tragic, obviously. This is absolutely tragic, but... Every so often I'll come across the store and I was like, oh, dude, this is totally going to be a choose your own adventure one. So that would actually be cool to do a full choose your own adventure podcast. But there we go. One through eight. Which one did you pick? Which fate sealed you in?
But that's it for another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. You know, I know I normally end the or have been ending these shows with kind of like a a nice ending, like a good twist ending. But this episode probably had the most deaths possible on a show we've done. I think more people have died, named people, not like episodes that involved war, but we've had just horrible, horrible people die. So let's end on a happy note. I can't think of anything. <laughs> DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email. This was a depressing episode. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at Facebook. It wasn't that depressing. But DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at Facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. But I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Bye.